You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Hey, we are on our last week of our series, Conflict Resolution. Uh, can, can you guys make me feel better by just going, aww, yeah, yeah there it is. Uh, so it is our last week. Like I said, this has been an interesting series because I'm the type of individual, I like talking about exciting stuff, stuff about you know biblical victories and overcoming challenges and a shepherd boy, the most unlikely choice, leading a kingdom and how awesome that is. And in the midst of my prayer, life, I'm like, God, like, give me an awesome topic, something that really motivates the people where as they leave this church, they can't help but do fist bumps. You know what I'm talking about? That kind of message. And we got conflict resolution. And I'm like, all right, God, I didn't see that coming. But it has just been such an honor and privilege to hear how this message has been challenging our church, how this message has been working in our church marriages and relationships and friendships and everything in between. You see what I did there? Yeah, right. And so uh, act amused people. And so uh, with that, it has just been so awesome to hear testimonies. And I'm just so excited to see um, how God continues to use this teaching. And as I've mentioned before, just want to reiterate, this is a series based on preventative measures. There's certain things that um, you do to make sure that uh, bad things don't happen. Once again, for those of you who are parents, anytime you leave the house, isn't it like a crazy event just to like go out to a store when you have kids? I mean, my goodness, I get in the car and I'm ready to go back inside and take a nap. I'm like, all right, everybody's in the car. Now let's just go. I'm just going to tap out on this one. I mean, you have the bag checks and the snack checks and the extra clothes in case somebody has an accident, which isn't exciting. And then you have all of these preventative measures just to get your kids out the door in somewhat functioning in society. Preventative measures are tiring, but how many of you know and recognize that are necessary, right? And so with this series, we've been talking about preventative measures because I believe that God wants to do incredible things in Crossroads Community Church congregation and through our lives. Amen, church? How many of you would say he has a purpose? Return to your neighbor and say, he has a plan for you. God has incredible things for each and every one of us. It's not a question of if he has something for us. The question is, what does he have for us? And so whenever it comes to God doing incredible things, I have seen and had the privilege as growing up as a pastor's kid, I've seen some of the revivals firsthand um, take place. I remember, you know, whenever I was younger, going with my parents to the Brownsville revival, which took place over in Florida. And I remember seeing, you know, healings happen and lives touched and people filled with the Holy Spirit and incredible things that I thank God for because as a result of those revivals, there are pastors who are pastoring churches today as a result of being called in the ministry at one of those revivals. And so I would very much so say that yes, revival is still taking place as a result of those revival happenings because I've heard some people say, well, revivals aren't happening anymore. Oh, I disagree. And so with that said, I believe that we've also gotten sidetracked and I don't want to list any specific revivals, but there are some revivals that stop because of something as foolish as a disagreement. 
That's why we're talking about conflict resolution because how many of you would agree that God has incredible things in store? Amen. And we want to make sure that we don't give the enemy a foothold. Amen. Amen. So with that in mind, I want to talk to you about the last difficult topic with this series. All right, brace yourselves. Everybody say, I'm ready. And so we're talking about conflict resolution. Throughout this series, we've mainly focused on handling conflict from the side of the other person being the individual. Some of you see where I'm going with this. You're like, don't do it, pastor. Oh, I gotta. And so with this, we've taken on this kind of position, assuming that the other person stirred up the conflict and we have to go to them and let them know about their offense. But today I asked the question, what if it is me? What? Oh, I know, Jack. (laughs) What if it's me? So here's what I want us to do, a little exercise, because some of y'all are like, Pastor, I've never made a mistake in my life. I'm really proud of you, all right? So here's what we're going to do. I want everybody to say this out loud. It's going to sting a little bit. Everybody say, I I have have issues. issues. (laughs) Everybody okay? Everybody still love Jesus? Some of you are pointing at your neighbor. That's not very nice. (laughs) And so with this series, with this series, this is how I want to close it, is let's open up the possibility. Let's open up, let's entertain the idea that sometimes we say foolish things. Me being a redhead, I have found that in my temper, I say stupid things. That was something that my family uh, pointed out to me so lovingly when I was a teenager so that I could be put on a path of correction. And so I ask us today, What if we are the ones who unknowingly start conflict at times? What if we are the ones where sometimes we say things that are just foolish, but we don't realize it? You know, something that I heard once, I I heard a a joke made by by pastor, I believe his name is Rick Warren. And Rick Warren said this, he said that self-awareness is so rare today that it should be considered a superpower. (laughs) As harsh as that comment seems, I believe it to be true. Self-awareness is necessary. And can I just preface this sermon today to say that there is no better method of coming to self-awareness than allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to your life. As a matter of fact, often I recognize that it's the Holy Spirit's voice speaking to me because he is saying things that I don't want to hear. How many of you have ever been there? And so that's one way. And when I say the Holy Spirit speaks to us, here's what I'm talking about. And you'll forever hear me use this as an example. How many of you have ever felt somebody, hear me out, felt somebody looking at you? You know what I'm talking about? Nobody said that there was somebody who was weird and staring at you, but somehow you just knew without a doubt, you could feel it. Nobody said, hey, there's a creep looking at you. Never happened. But yet you just kind of knew You knew that you knew. And sure enough, you turn over your shoulder and there's the creep at the store looking at you. Y'all need some joy this morning. I'm just saying. That's kind of how the Holy Spirit speaks to us sometimes. Not an audible voice, but speaks to our minds, speaks to our hearts, speaks to our thoughts where you just know that you know. You hear me this morning. So self-awareness, one of the ways to decipher if it's the Holy Spirit's voice, I would challenge that if you feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking things that are not easy to hear or you don't want to hear them, that's exactly the voice of the Holy Spirit and what he wants you to hear. 
self-awareness is necessary for the Christian life. So I wanna preface this message with, that means it is necessary to hear from the Holy Spirit. Amen, church? So with that, I want to start out with just a quick, a quick story. For those of you who have taken the Acts 2 journey um, class with me, you, you might recognize this story. But an uh, individual by the name of Ron McManus, who heads up this ministry, shared this uh, story about an individual at a church who caused division and had no idea that they were being divisive at the time. So Ron McManus, he goes on to describe how he was also a, a pastor's kid, grew up in the home of a pastor, was around church life as a pastor, was around church growth. And he went on to describe in detail this one individual in their church who just so happened to be an attorney, which means he's really good at arguing. I, if there's any attorneys in the room, Jesus loves you. And so he went on to say that, that this attorney just was naturally divisive. That any time that his dad, the lead pastor, wanted to institute, had an idea to institute some kind of change or improvement in the church, whether it be painting or new carpet, whatever it may be, that this individual would inevitably do two things. He would make phone calls during the week to others around him to get kind of a team on his side. And then they would show up to the meeting and every time there was something to be voted on, he did not vote in accordance to what the pastor's vision was. And so as years go on, this individual had stopped building projects, had stopped missions outreaches locally and internationally, and just continued to gather and stir up a divisive kind of behavior within the church. And so years go by where, where Ron McManus, his, his dad, who's the lead pastor, just getting worn down by this individual because it's a battle, so much so that this individual actually shows up to board meetings. And now the board, it's kind of the board versus the pastor, just completely unhealthy. And so finally, after years of this happening, there was a building project that the pastor was kind of like, hey, we're ready for this. We're ready to expand our church. We're, we're, we're growing. And so this individual showed up and rallied some of the church to vote no, and the building project did not go through. And so with that, Ron's dad being emotionally and spiritually drained turned in his resignation. And so years, decades go by. Ron grows up. Now he's an older gentleman and he takes his grandkids to the mall. So he goes to the mall and Ron begins to describe that his strategy when he goes to the mall at this season of his life is to find the most comfortable bench in the mall. And that's where he is. <laughs> he said, you know, I've put in my time with the whole shopping thing. Grandkids and my kids can go do that. I will be right here. And so he talks about how he's sitting on this bench and he notices an old man walking out of a store with his walker and the old man begins to approach him and he looks and he recognizes that this was the attorney from the church when he was a younger boy. The attorney walks up and looks and says, are you Ron? And he says, yes, I am. He said, you know who I am? He said, yes, I do. And the man began to weep. And he said, I'm so sorry for the division that I caused in the church. And he began to recount every situation where he was constantly in opposition to what God wanted to do with that church. And he looked at Ron and he said, I can't help now at this season of my life, but I think about this almost every day, how that church has never reached its full potential because of me. And he went on to look and he said, would you please tell your dad 
how sorry I am. In which Ron responded, he said, as much as I would love to do that, my dad passed away about five years ago. Friends, conflict comes at a cost. And I share this bitter story with you today because it sheds light on being unaware of ourselves. Being unaware, because what frightens me about this story is that this individual who was causing division, hear me out, thought that he was doing the right thing. Think about that for a moment. He put his passion and time into divisive behavior because he 100% believed that he was in fact right and now lives with regret. I don't want anyone in this congregation 20, 30, 40 years from now to be at a place where they're carrying the kind of regret that this man was carrying. And so today I want to ask us three questions, three questions that are kind of self-evaluating. And I want us to entertain the belief. I want us to entertain the possibility that we in fact could be unaware and in, uh, in obedience to that, in, in, in a fixed kind of way to that is let our hearts also be open to the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Amen, church? Romans one twenty two says this, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. They thought that they were being wise, but they were actually involved in sinful behavior. Unaware, divisive. And so today, as we go through these three questions, the reason why I'm sticking to questions today is have you ever noticed the pattern in the Bible where when Jesus is asked a question, how does he respond? With the question. And there's so much wisdom in how Jesus handles conflict, how Jesus handles challenges. And when you see how he flips it around and asks the person who's making the accusation a question. When somebody asks us a question, we inevitably go into this mode where we are evaluating what they just said, what they just asked us, what we know. And when Jesus does this, it is so genius because he's causing the other person to go from a mode of being on the attack, being on the, on the offense, to pausing and reflecting asking questions. So that's my goal with you this morning is to ask a few questions so that we can pause and reflect. So first, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. The first is this, simple but truthful. Are you a good listener? Are you a good listener? If somebody were to, to describe you as a person, to describe your character, to describe what makes you, you, would they honestly say, you know what? They are the best listener. And hear me out, friends. There is a vast difference between hearing somebody and listening to somebody. Would somebody describe you as a good listener? I'm just gonna let that hang for a moment. When someone is presenting an idea or a point of view, are you waiting for your turn to talk or are you considering what they are saying at face value? I'm going to say that again. To measure if we are good listeners, when somebody is presenting an idea, let's just say that it's a weird day and you don't agree with them. 
Are you waiting for your turn to present your idea in positioning yourselves to once again be on the attack? Or are you honestly listening to what they have to say? The scripture that we're gonna be jumping to here in a moment is James 1.19. And for those of you who are taking notes, I just advise you to take these scripture references down. We're not gonna be hanging out at one scripture. We're gonna be jumping around a little bit. Come back to them during the week and base your devotions off of them. That is the best way that, I, that, that works for me. If it works for me, maybe it'll work for you. But that's my advice this morning. Take it or leave it. <laughs> James 1.19. Did you hear me or did you listen to me? All right, sorry. James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. How many of you have ever been there? Come on, somebody. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires from us. This scripture, when we look at it, actually suggests a period of reflection. When they say quick to listen, slow to be angry, we actually get from the original biblical language that it is suggested that we reflect on the conversation, that we evaluate what the person said. Church, let me ask you this. What would our lives and relationships look like if we listened to one another and actually reflected on conversations? Now, let me just draw some lines here. Not reflecting out of bitterness or anger, but reflecting by considering what the individual had to say. And can I just say that Another part of conflict resolution is trying to find common ground. One of the methods that has opened up so many political conversations in my life is I've often found somebody who, or have encountered somebody who comes from a completely different political background than I do. And as we have friendly discussion, I try and find common ground by by stating this, that whether you are Democrat or Republican, I believe that both sides are trying to attain what is best for the country. We just have two very different approaches. Trying to find common ground is a result of listening to what the person has to say. Slow to anger, quick to listen. There's a reason why God gave us two ears and one mouth. (laughs) Then scripture goes on to say that reacting out of our emotion isn't wise, nor does it lead or produce fruit of the spirit. And you know what's the irony that's in this situation before we move on to our next point, the irony that's in in this situation is we often hear somebody, we don't listen, we pose ourselves in a position to get angry. We first respond out of emotion rather than wisdom. And then for the life of us, we can't figure out what went wrong. (laughs) Quick to listen, slow to speak. The next question that I wanna ask is, is this, How do we know if we're a difficult person? Let me ask you this. Do you consider others in everything that you do? Do you consider the well-being of somebody else? When facing people that irritate you, do you consider their background before you react in emotion? I was on a, a trip this past summer, as many of you know, in Ireland. And, um, there's a lot of sports that I like. I grew up playing hockey. I love hockey. 
there's one sport that I really cannot um, support, nor do I enjoy, and that is the sport of soccer. Do you know what Ireland loves? <laughs> soccer. And do you know what they had me coach to kids? And so they look at me and they're like, hey, pastor, you like sports? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, how about soccer? And I'm like, how about no? And so I'm like, all right, I, I, can, do, we, I can do some phys ed kind of education, get the kids warmed up for their soccer match. And lo and behold, I actually now kind of enjoy soccer. So we go on through the week and there's this one kid in my group. Oh, when the Bible says to lay on hands, whew, this kid, I'm telling you, everything that this kid did was the opposite of what I instructed. I'm going through and the kids are having fun and, and the kids, you know, whenever it comes to the kids um, picking which group they wanted to go to, whether they wanted to start with warm-ups or start with a match, the majority of kids were coming over to PE. I don't mean to brag, but it was awesome. And so these kids, I'm feeling good. I'm like, this is awesome. And the kids are doing what I say because they want to be there. But there's this one kid and we're looking and we're doing a warm up, and I have the kids kind of dribbling and we're going and, and I look over and this kid Esmond is doing cartwheels in the field next to me. What the world? <laughs> and so I go over and I look and I'm like, Esmond, hey buddy, get over there. <laughs> so we'll get him to participate in this, in this group and he's good for about 10 seconds. And then you know where I find him? In the opposing field. And so after five or six times of this, I'm literally looking at a leader and I'm like, hey, listen, um, something you need to know about me. <laughs> Short temper and he's pushing his limits. <laughs> so help me, he will see Jesus today. All right, you know what I'm saying? And so they're like, all right, all right, we'll, we'll take care of it. And so they pull the kid aside and, and they're talking to him and we came to find out, and this is where my point lies. Do you consider their background? The one day he didn't wear a long sleeve shirt and he had some of the worst burn marks that I've ever seen all over his arm and the side of his body. I came to find out that he wasn't fluent in English. And I came to find out that his family were Syrian refugees. And so having the opportunity to combine what was happening in Syria at that time, his physical condition, God began to soften my heart. Why did he do that? Because I now understood the background, which explained the behavior. Friends, I go back to my original point. Do you consider the other person? Do you consider and take into consider their background? And I don't mean, and I just want to say this, Dr. Dobson said it so well when he said, just because we understand the behavior does not mean that we excuse it, but it does mean that we consider it. Do you find yourself thinking about other people's well-being more than yours? Do you take into consideration the positive side of other people's opinions or the ideas or point of views that they have, or do we automatically jump to the negative? 
do you often find yourself making statements such as, well, I just tell it like it is, pastor. Can we be honest for a moment? That's another way of saying, I say what I want to. That's not a fruit of the spirit. Philippians 2, four through five says this, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Here it is, friends. Have this attitude in yourselves, which, will also, which was also in Christ Jesus. Have this attitude in yourselves. It was also in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we're so busy thinking of what we want to say next or what we want to do next or once again, positioning ourselves in an argument to have the advantage that we're never even taking into consideration the other person, their background, what they've come from. We're too busy posturing ourselves for a follow-up comment that shows why we are right and wrong rather than taking the consideration of the person's past. And a disagreement, are you considering the interest of the other person? Once again, I don't mean agreeing with them. Listening. Scripture tells us to look at the needs of other people, not just our own. That we show Christ-like character when we care about others' needs and not just our own. This is a part of evaluating, friends, if we are difficult people. Do we live out these behaviors Are we considering others? Can I just tell you, as we've already mentioned this morning, how many of you would agree that we live in a culture that does not consider anyone? I heard it recently stated like this, that forgiveness is the only place that, excuse me, forgiveness can only be found in church. There's nowhere else in our world that offers forgiveness right now. Certainly not politics. As a matter of fact, in our culture, what we will do is we will look 20, 30, 40 years into somebody's past to bring up a mistake they made so that we can hold it over their head today. There's no forgiveness. Let us be the kind of church that offers forgiveness to everyone. Amen? Amen. By considering where they've come from. And according to scripture, not merely our own personal interests. Our culture is just so extremely quick to draw assumptions. And not only does our culture want to draw assumptions, but our culture wants to be the judge, jury, and executioner of everything and everyone. That not only will we take an opinion and hold it over your head or take a mistake and hold it over your head, but we want you to pay for it dearly. But then we have in Philippians where it says, consider them. In light of their mistakes, consider them. I didn't get an amen on that. Come on, somebody. And lastly, as the worship team comes forward, do you give grace to others or is it your expectation to always receive it? Do you give grace freely to others? Here's here's a good definition of grace. You give people the freedom to make mistakes and you love them the same. I'm gonna say that again. You give freedom for people to make mistakes and you still love them the same. Grace. Giving grace is one of those Christian things that we say, oh, just give them grace, just give them grace. And it sounds really good, am I right? Like it has a really nice ring to it. Oh, pastor, I just gave them grace, awesome. And then later that night, you're like, I should not have given them grace. (laughs) And when we start to feel the weight of, Great, giving grace means that we sacrifice something. 
And when we start to understand the reality of that, how many of you know that becomes like a weight? And in my natural personality, as I've mentioned before, I am type one. When you look up in psychology books, my personality type is type one. One of the things that type one individuals have is it says under the definition of a type one is an extremely strong sense of right and wrong. And underneath that, there was a, I remember reading this, this one, it's kind of an Enneagram. If you're familiar with Enneagram, it's, it's a social media personality test that's becoming very popular right now, which I love because it brings about self-awareness. Because under this list of describing my personality type, it didn't say it in a loving way, but it said, why you're a difficult person. <laughs> and it went on to say, how injustice eats at me. It gets to me, and I will admit, injustice irks me. It just gets me. And what that means, can I be honest this morning? It's difficult for me to give grace because I want justice. And I think that, that that's something that's rooted in all of us. Am I right? When somebody does something wrong, we want them to pay for it. And then we turn to scripture. Colossians 4, 6, let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. May your conversation always be full of grace and seasoned with salt. Let me define what seasoning it with salt means. Salt was for preserving purposes in biblical days. You use salt to preserve the quality. You use salt to add flavor. But the primary purpose in salt during biblical days was not like a, a kind of like garnish like we use it, right? We used salt to preserve something. So now let's apply that belief to this scripture. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seeking to preserve relationships so that you may know how to answer everyone. Speak like Christ did. Giving people something meaningful means that you're preserving a relationship. Jesus allowed people the opportunity to fail and yet he built them up in spite of their failures. One of my favorite stories of grace is definitely Peter. Peter denies the Lord three times. You could say he stabbed him in the back three times, gave him up. Do you know him? No, I don't know him. And he went on three times. And since we're talking about graceful conversation, I just want to say that I don't find it ironic that Peter used curse words to prove that he wasn't a follower of Jesus. Let your conversations be full of grace. And so Peter fails three times, denies the Lord three times. No, I don't know him. And then fast forward later after the resurrection, Jesus is on the beach with Peter and he asks him three times, do you love me? And there's a separate sermon where we could get into the original Greek language. That's for another day. But I want to focus on the fact that he asked three times, do you know that that was him redeeming Peter three times? 
And then after this man's failure, after he's missed the mark, after he has played a part in why Jesus was beaten, tortured, and put to death, not only after all this does Jesus offer him forgiveness three times, not only does he redeem him three times, but then Jesus goes on to say, on this rock, I will build my church. And he invites Peter to be a part of the building the church kind of process. That's grace. He used Peter's failure to teach him life lessons about Christ-like behavior. Friends, in everything that we do, I pray that we would seek in disputes and conflict. I pray that we would seek opportunities to teach others about biblical principles like Jesus did. Come on, somebody better give me an amen on that. And it's something that we're called to share with others. Would you stand to your feet? Give grace to others when they offend, fail, or don't meet our expectation. This is what it means to show Christ-like character. So as we conclude this morning, here's my challenge. If you are here this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor? Some of those questions, I would not describe myself as a person who gives grace. Pastor, I do not describe myself as a good listener. Here's your homework. Work on it. Isn't that profound, right? Work on it. By biblical truths, living it out, and I cannot stress this enough, your time with the Holy Spirit, your prayer time, your time saying, there's so many scriptures that I could pull from right now that discuss how the Holy Spirit reveals things that are not yet known to us. As a matter of fact, when, when David said, search me, O Lord, What he was really saying is, Lord, bring the faults that I am unaware of to my attention because I want them, I want everything about my character to honor you. That was David's heart behind that prayer. Search me, O Lord, was him saying, God, I want the things that I'm unaware of to be made known so that we can correct them and move forward. I don't want to have any hangups. May our hearts reflect that of David. Amen, church? Are you willing to work on it? Come on, somebody. Are you willing to work on it? Are you ready to become more Christ-like, which is what we're called to be, so that we can be effective in reaching the world? Amen, church? Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, once again, we thank you so much that not only do you provide us, Lord, with the challenging questions, but Lord, you give us the answers. Lord, not only do you provide us with difficult um, teachings, but you tell us how we can live it out in your word. Every situation and circumstance that we go through In this life, Lord, on this side of eternity, we can find wisdom in your word. So God, I pray this. I pray that we would not only turn to your word, Lord, in developing Christ-likeness and developing healthy conflict resolution. May we not just know the information. Help us to live it out, Lord Jesus, with your Holy Spirit empowerment. And God, I pray that we wouldn't shy away from those prayer times where your Holy Spirit begins to convict us, where your Holy Spirit begins to bring up those things in our personality that we don't even like to deal with. Lord, I pray that those moments would happen and that we would be able to have the testimony of saying the Holy Spirit empowered me to get through it. So Father, once again, 
we do all of this not for our own benefit, not for our own gain, but for the sake of becoming more like you and reaching the world around us, Lord Jesus. So Father, once again, as we leave this place, I pray that you would go before us, that you would prepare the way, that our hearts would be open, that we would be molded and shaped by you, never to only take from you, but to also give you everything that we have, Lord Jesus. I pray that this week would bring about so many testimonies out of this place. And Lord, keep everybody healthy, I pray in Jesus' name. I pray that you would be with those who aren't here today who are sick, Lord Jesus, that you would heal them and that we would hear testimonies of healing. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, and everybody said, amen. God bless you as you go. He's going with you. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at c3lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.